Welcome to another episode of YEGMS. In this episode, it's kind of a follow-up episode to uh, the last one where I interviewed Dr. Gretchen Hawley. Uh, she brought up uh, a point that I wanted to dive a little deeper into because I haven't really... I don't think I've ever looked at it on the podcast before, so thought this would be a good time. And what I want to talk about today is neuroplasticity. And Dr. Holly caught me off guard. She asked me if I knew what it was, and I know I'd heard the term, uh, and I read about it before, but I couldn't, obviously not in any depth, because I could not honestly remember what it was, uh, which is strange, actually, uh, for me, uh, considering I, I run a lot and I, and I exercise a lot. So quickly, what a neuroplasticity is, I'll, I'll read the definition from Wikipedia. Neuroplasticity, also known as brain plasticity, neuroelasticity, or neuroplasticity, is the ability of the brain to change throughout an individual's life. For example, a brain, brain activity associated with a given function can be transferred to a different location the proportion of gray matter can change, and the synapses may strengthen or weaken over time. Research in the later half and the latter half of the 20th century showed that many aspects of brain of the brain can be altered, even through adulthood. However, the developing brain exhibits a higher degree of plasticity than the adult brain. Neuroplasticity can be observed at multiple scales from microscopic changes in an individual's neurons to larger, larger scale changes such as cortical remapping in response to injury, behavior, environmental, environmental stimuli, thought, and emotions may also cause neuroplastic change through activity-dependent plasticity, which has significant impl implications for healthy development, learning, memory, and recovery from brain damage. At the single cell level, synaptic plasticity refers to changes in the connections between neurons, whereas non-synaptic plasticity refers to changes in their intrinsic excitability. That was a mouthful. That was definitely a mouthful. But what does that, what does that mean for us, uh, for those of us affected with MS? So for this episode, I, I looked at a few studies that I found on PubMed.org. And it had been mentioned to me in the past once, I do recall, uh, by a fellow by the name of Chris T., who was... You know, it's always weird. I start recording these things, and all of a sudden I start getting text messages, and it really messes up the audio. Anyway, um, it was mentioned to me by a gentleman named Chris T., who helped me train for the second really long run to end MS. And what he didn't mention it specifically, but what he, I do recall their conversation, he had mentioned to me that, one of the, that he felt that one of the reasons why I had had... Um, you know, a pretty, I don't, I don't want to call it easy because having MS is certainly not easy, but a definitely a, um, 
maybe a better path is the way to put it than, than a lot is because of the amount that I exercise. <clears throat> and I do remember him referencing uh, some stuff he had read about how exercise can cause changes in the brain and help repair the brain. And I do remember my neurologist actually saying something similar that he felt that, um, you know, the exercise was, 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 was certainly a benefit. But again, we didn't really get in, into neuroplasticity. And it was actually Dr. Gretchen Hawley that mentioned it while talking about, you know, what she does. So I thought, you know, this would be a good time to look at it. And also because it's, it's timely for me, because after I finish recording this today, it's 9.45 in the morning on Wednesday, uh, March 6th. I'm going to go running uh, at a local track. It's minus 20 again today, so I'm certainly not going to do it outside. Um, in preparation for the next, for the 2019 really long run to M end MS. And so maybe it's a probably a best before we go right into it, I want to maybe just kind of set the scene for people who maybe haven't heard some of the podcasts in the past or I've talked about it or, um, but how running started for me. So since I was a kid, I was always involved in sports. I live in Canada and northern Canada to, to boot. So um, hockey, played hockey until from the ages of 5 to 17. Uh, soccer in the summer, uh, sometimes baseball. Uh, lots of pickup basketball with friends. Lots of rollerblading. Uh, when I still lived in the mountains out in British Columbia, lots of mountain biking. So athletics was always part uh, of my life. And as I went into my 20s and into my, in, into, in up to 30, um, it, it was definitely touch and go that I would go through periods where I was definitely very physically active. And then I would go through periods where I certainly wasn't. And no different than most people as you age, you know, and you're not very active, you're not eating right. I mean, health becomes an issue. So, um, but when I got diagnosed, back in 2007. I was unable to work for about seven months. So I was kind of just stuck at my house. And it became incredibly boring. Uh, you can only watch so many reruns of Seinfeld. You can only, like, I mean, there's only so much you can do before you start to go a little bit batty. And so what I used to do is I lived right across the street from uh, the Sturgeon River in St. Albert, which is a bedroom community of Edmonton. And I would go on walks, and that was in the wintertime. But as the snow started to melt and spring started to come on, uh, there was these pedestrian bridges and vehicle bridges that went over, over the river every, you know, so several hundred meters or several hundred yards, depending on which system of measurement you use. And... At the time, I was over, certainly very overweight. Um, my initial goal was to try just to run from one bridge to another. So we're talking maybe, uh, you know, like 150 meters, you know, just over like, like a football field and a half kind of thing without stopping. And that just kind of led, you know, eventually you start getting better shape, you start feeling better, and then 
you know, my first goal was to be able to run 5K without stopping and then so forth and so on. And then that led to ultra marathons and the really long run and all that. So ever since I got diagnosed, exercise has certainly been part of, um, it's definitely been a tool in my toolkit to try and uh, combat the disease for lack of better way to put it. And, and it wasn't, that wasn't based on any research or anything. It just, I just noticed that I felt better when I was active. And I've noticed over the line of the subsequent 11 years since I got diagnosed, 12 years almost now, that I've been diagnosed, that when I go through periods where I'm not exercising, I just don't feel it well. And, and, and that's not a surprise, right? It's like eating right and exercising. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a big believer. Anytime somebody ends up with some sort of chronic condition, despite all, you know, pharmaceuticals and all that other stuff, I think the first thing people should be talking about is, do you, am I getting enough exercise and am I eating right? Because, I, 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 you know, I don't believe I can cure my MS myself. I never, I've never uh, believed that. My, my thinking has always been, I want to give myself the best chance possible. And I think by eating better and, and exercising, along with taking the recommendations of my neurologists and the health professionals that I deal with, is probably pretty sound. And if you, you know, for a long time, listeners of this podcast or even new ones, um, why am I getting all this email now? This is insane. Anyway, um, any, I apologize for the, the beeps. I normally, I have had no email all morning, and then all of a sudden I'm getting, they're just coming in. That's just the way it is. I, you know what? I, side note, if I could figure out why that happens, it's like, you know, you can watch your front street, and you can... <clears throat> Um, you can watch for a few minutes and see no cars, but the second you jump in your car to go anywhere, there's three or four that all want to go somewhere. If I could figure out why that happens, I'm sure I'd be a billionaire several times over. Anyway, so I think that, um, you know, obviously exercise is, is important and not just for MS, I think just in general. Um, but I also think, you know, diet's important all that stuff. And none of this is shocking, right? None of this is shocking. It's like eating green vegetables. We all know we should do it, and most of us choose not to, right? But back to neuroplasticity and the reason for this episode is, you know, there seems to be a growing body. It seems to be that the evidence is growing more and more that sort of confirms the way I've felt when I'm exercising, that, that certainly... Um, exercise is a big part of, uh, can be a big part of your recovery and can be a big part of managing your disease in a, in a, in a really effective way, in a way that you can improve uh, your mobility and improve your quality of life. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not suggesting to anyone, and I really have to be careful how I say this because I want to make sure that anyone listening to this podcast doesn't interpret anything I'm telling you as advice. I'm not telling anyone to do anything. I'm simply pre presenting information, and if you choose to do your own research on it, and you make a decision based on that research, uh, just hold on. I'm going to have to turn off all my alerts. This is getting out of control. Hold on. All right, I'm back. I had a little fight with Siri, but my Do Not Disturb is on now. 
Um, yeah, so again, I'm not attempting to give anyone advice. I'm just presenting information, providing links to good quality sources of information so people can do their own research and they can make choices that they're comfortable based on their understanding and the research they've done. I'm certainly not suggesting that anyone listening uh, jump up tomorrow morning and decide they're going to train for an ultra marathon. Now, if you want to, I'm saying it's possible. And if you not, maybe you don't want to run an ultra marathon. Maybe you want to be able to run 5K. Maybe you maybe it's just a matter of walking to the end of the street. I don't know uh, sort of the condition of every, every, any, each person listening to this. But I just really want to make that clear because I think it's important to understand that I am not offering an alternative view from what you would find from your you get from your medical professionals. My, my take on it is, like I said earlier, I want to do everything possible to make sure I have the best outcome I can as a person living with MS. And I'm happy to share what I'm doing, but I'm not suggesting you try it unless you do your research on your own and you and your family and, and the people around you are comfortable um, with, uh, with the information. Anyway, so neuroplasticity is, you know, as it's been explained to me and my understanding of it is over time your brain can change and over time you can retrain your brain um, sorry retrain the way your brain works so for example if you have a lesion now, now this may or may not be correct but this is my understanding of it let's say you have a lesion that's impairing your walking or you have several lesions that are impairing your walking. Sort of in a layman's kind of way, the more you try to walk and the more you practice walking, your brain will find new pathways to get those signals to your, to your legs and the, and the necessary muscles to, you know, to, in, or, in order for you to be able to walk. I think that's you know, as simple as I can make it. Um, and that repetitive training, right? So for an example, over the first two really long runs in 2015 and 2016, in, I, tr I ran about 3,000 kilometers between the two years in training. Now, I was doing, I, I ran that much not to retrain my brain. I ran that much to train my body so that I could get 80 kilometers down a highway, you know, in a, in a single day, right? I didn't do it for, I had very limited knowledge that this might be, uh, helping my MS, and in, in fact, I remember in 2015 asking my neurologist before I even uh, attempted the first one, is this a smart idea? Is this something I should be doing, or is this going to cause, uh, you know, complications? And he said, no, basically give her, um, and, you know, but it sounds like what I was doing was basically retraining my brain on how to get, and then the more, you, it's just like anything else, you, you, you start practicing something, and amazingly, you get better. Right? Not really amazingly, but so. So, for example, if you're somebody who can kind of walk right now, or, or walking, you can walk, but it's kind of a hassle. I would say, that, you know, based on the information that I've been exposed to, you can get better at walking now. Will you go from walking to running? 
I have no idea. And I don't think anyone could honestly say yes or no with any certainty. But I, could, I would say that I would suspect if you practiced walking, you would get better at it. If you can kind of run and you start practicing it, you'll get better at it. Now, one of the things I did notice over time when I was running, when I, I, have, I, I, I suffer from drop foot, like, most, like a lot of you. My drop foot is almost non-existent now. It, it happens occasionally still, but rarely. When I first started running and really training for the really long run and, and just running in general, it was a daily occurrence when I'd have a, about a drop foot. And, I, and as recently as 2016, uh, one of my last training runs for the 2016 really long run, I actually was running in the river valley in Edmonton all day over routes, down, you know, single path trail. Didn't fall once. And then I was on my way home and I was running down the sidewalk, just the sidewalk. And I caught, because of drop foot, one of those little gaps between the sidewalk blocks. It caught my right toe, because that's the one that always I have problems with the, with the drop foot. And I went down hard. I still have scars on one of my wrists from it and on one of my knees. Uh, I ripped up my shorts pretty good. And when I got home, my wife looked at me and thought, and asked me, like, what were you doing? And I said, this wasn't from running in the river valley. This was from going down the sidewalk. That's the last time I can remember having drop foot while running. And it's not really a concern now. And I would guess, but I don't know this for certain, that that would be an example of neuroplasticity where I've trained so much that I've... Tra you know, I, I don't suspect that I won't ever get... I mean, I probably will get drop foot again at some point in time. Um, but it's not a problem. It's not nearly the problem that it was. So for this episode, I looked at two papers that I downloaded from PubMed.org. I will leave the links to them so you can read them for yourselves um, on the companion notes on ownmultiplesclerosis.com. Now I'm going to read you the type of titles of the papers, but I warn you, they're a mouthful. <clears throat> One comes from Multiple Sclerosis International, and the title is The Effects of Aerobic Exercise on the Recovery of Walking Ability and Neuroplasticity in People with Multiple Sclerosis, a Systematic Review of Animal and Clinical Studies. That's catchy, isn't it? Uh, second the second uh, article I looked at, and it comes from Frontiers in Neurology. Clinical Implications of Neuroplasticity, the Role of Rehabilitation in Multiple Sclerosis. Now, I'm certainly not going to read each paper to you that would take more time than I have or that I would have any desire to do. That's why I'll leave them for you. Um, and one note, I know I've had some listeners comment that some of the papers and stuff that I put up on the website are a little bit difficult to read. They are. They're, I mean, these, these come from academic journals. They're not written... Uh, in an easy way to read. Um, I find that the best thing to do is if you're not, if your brain doesn't work in a sciencey kind of way, read through the inter introduction so you have an understanding of what it is they were doing. Um, 
you know, if you want to know what the result was, um, the introduction, and if you read the discussion portion and the conclusion, gives you a pretty good idea, right? Um, yeah, I, I just find that at least you can understand what uh, they feel they've proven and, and sort of what the results are. Um, you don't, I mean, I don't get, I don't really get dig deep into the, the methodology. I mean, I always read through it, but um, I mean, these are people that are far smarter than I am, and I'm not going to <laughs> try and find flaws in their methodology. So anyway, so here's some points from the Multiple, Multiple Sclerosis International paper. And here's from their introduction. Here's a quote from their introduction. The rehabilitative approach to MS has primarily focused on teaching compensate compensation for physical impairments rather than fostering neuroplasticity and recovery of function. Recent research suggests that neuroplasticity does, does occur among people with MS and there may be more opportunities for recover after re relapse than was previous believed, previously believed. So that's, in a nutshell, kind of what I just said. And I hope that the they keep researching this stuff because, like I said, right, right from the onset, I really hope that when people get diagnosed, the, the thing that happens is, hey, you know, here's your disease-modifying therapy, depending on what, you're, what, what the neurologist prescribed you. But here's also our suggestion for weekly exercise to help foster that neuroplasticity so that you can get to a point where you're moving better. Here's another quote from the paper. Aerobic exercise is one intervention that has the potential to affect multiple underlying targets such as enhancing markers of neuroplasticity, attenuating neuroinflammation, and improving tolerance for physical activity. And because of reciprocal limb movements, it also helps restore walking ability. Evidence suggests that aerobic exercise promotes neuroplasticity by upregulating neurotropins such as brain-derived neurotropic factor. Um, so to start sort of summarizing what they found in the Multiple Sclerosis International article, they had five key findings. The clinical studies showed that aerobic interventions helped people move better. I Point number one, I summarized pretty heavily, but that's basically what it's reading. That's what it's saying. Point number two, and this is an interesting point, very few studies examine whether the effects were sustained after cessation of intervention. And those that did show that most outcomes returned to baseline within a few months. So basically what they're saying there for point number two, you're going to move better and you're going to feel better when you're exercising, but if you stop exercising, eventually you're going to go, it's going to go in reverse. 
And that's been my experience. When I stop exercising, I start feeling poor. Not right away, but after time, I start feeling poor. Point number three, people with severe MS-related walking impairments were relatively unrepresented in the studies that they looked at. And that's too bad, because I think that they shouldn't just study people that are already moving okay. They should, these interventions should be tried, I think, with everyone. And because what does it hurt, you know? Number four, point number four. In clinical studies, neurotrophins were not re reliably changed with ex aerobic exercise. And point number five, in animal studies, both neurotrophins and neurological status were improved when aerobic exercise began more than two weeks before the induction of EAE in the animal. So those are the five key findings of the multiple. I recommend at least thumbing through it. Uh, now here's the conclusion from the multiple. Like here's the conclusion some points, some highlights from the conclusion of the Multiple Sclerosis International paper. Consolidated evidence suggests that aerobic exercise training can improve walking ability in people having MS without severe walking impairment. Well, they're suggesting, so if people are wondering how much exercise they need, it's not a ton. They're suggesting 30 minutes of walking three times a week for six to eight weeks at mild to vigorous intensity. So out of seven days, you got three days where you have to walk for a half an hour. Right now, I'm running between five and six days a week. My average run is about 10 to 11 kilometers a shot, right? These guys are saying 30 minutes, three times a week for six to eight weeks. Another quick quote from their conclusion. The effects of aerobic exercise were not sustained more than six months after the end of inter intervention. So that goes to that point I mentioned before. You stop exercising, you're gonna, rever you're, 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 you're gonna regress. More from that quote. There is a need to build exercise programs for people living with MS having higher disability especially EDSS 6.0 or above, to restore their, ability, their lost ability to walk. Bang. That's exactly what I'm talking about. I think the MS community and people with MS need to start realizing that exercise is important. My opinion. Look into it yourself. But is it, is it really shocking? that not sitting around and doing nothing is worse for you than moving around. Is that, is that really shocking anyone listening to this? Anybody going, whoa, I can't believe that. Come on. Right? It's like I said, it's green vegetables and exercise. We all know we should do it. A lot of us choose not to. Right? The Frontiers in Neurology article I looked at, I'm going to couple quick highlights from it, uh, not as many. Actually, just two quotes I'm going to read from that. And again, it'll be on my uh, onmultiplesclerosis.com website. 
in the companion notes to this episode. So first quote from the Frontiers in Neurology uh, article. And this one's pretty direct. In numerous studies, the beneficial effects of exercise therapy for persons with MS have been shown. Again, what I just said, is that really surprising anyone? doesn't surprise me. Next quote, I think, is important. There is good evidence that exercise has positive effects on balance, mobility, muscle weakness, depression, and fatigue. Therefore, persons with MS should be encouraged to participate regularly in endurance and or resistant training of low to moderate intensity. These interventions are well tolerated and not associated with side effects could positively influence both the limitations caused by the disease itself and the additionally deconditioning effects of an inactive lifestyle. That's just a longer way of saying what I just said, right? So I think that... that you know, it's interesting. When I first got diagnosed with MS way back in 2007, way back, eh, 12 years. Depends. <laughs> it doesn't really feel that like that long. But anyway, I remember reading a article about vitamin D and MS. And I remember my neurologist at the time, not the one I currently have, but the one I had at the time. I had asked him about vitamin D. And I had also asked him how much I should be taking. That neurologist told me that it was pretty much a waste of time. Take your meds, hope for the best, was kind of the message that was coming out of that. Now, this neurologist was an older, an older gentleman, and, 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 uh, um, and I also remember from when I got diagnosed, when the MS nurse told me, took me through all the, you know, my potential drug treatments and whatever. There was no mention of exercise and there was no mention of diet. Why I find that interesting is my current neurologist, who I've been with for about, well, about five years now, first time I met with him, I told him I was taking vitamin D regularly, and he said, that's probably a good idea, but, you know, don't overdo it, and the evidence is still spotty, I guess, at the time. Now, he very much is like, tells me, I'll make, are you taking your vitamin D? So it, it's amazing how this stuff catches up. Now, that's not always the case. I also remember reading a, an article about cinnamon, and it's potential therapeutic value with regards to MS way back when too, and my neurologist isn't, isn't telling me to eat cinnamon, right? So you never know which thing. And the way I always look at this stuff is, does it seem reasonable? Does it seem credible? And am I going to hurt myself? Well, being more active and exercising, we all know that's not going to hurt me. It, it's just going it, to, right? We all know exercise is good for you. So, and it sounds like it's kind of at that point now where the the research is starting to support that being active is just better, right? 
But again, is it a surprise? Uh, it, but it's interesting how these, sometimes you see these things catch up. And it, it's like I said, it's not always the case, but sometimes it, you know, it does. Um, you know, I think the big quagmire is going to be around diet. And the reason why I think I call it a quagmire is because I think that everyone's body's different, everyone's microbiome's different, and I can eat a specific diet that may help me be healthier and, and in relation. If I'm the healthier I am, obviously the better I'm going to do with my MS. But that same diet may not work for you or for somebody else based on your body chemistry, gut microbiome, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So as with, as with everything MS, there's no easy answers to the things like diet. But I think you, I can say with 100%, my belief is people with MS should exercise. And even if it's, now, if you go to Dr. Gretchen Hawley's website and you can see some of the chair exercises she does, I mean, she, you know, if you're limited in mobility, obviously, you know, it's like when you walk into an old folks home. My, my papay before he passed away, um, you know, he was in his 90s. And actually, it was just his birthday the other day. Anyway, um, you would see him do an exercise. They were always seated, right? But there are ways to exercise even if you are, uh, you don't have the mobility of somebody else. And if you are somebody who's able to walk and maybe run a bit, understand that can get better. And, and it sounds like the research is suggesting the more you exercise, your balance is going to get better. If you suffer with depression, it's going to get better. One thing I can tell you that it gets better, but it's still, it's still a pain is fatigue. You know, I'm, I'm going to go run 10K here. I'll probably be leaving the house in about half an hour from now. I have fatigue today, and I don't really feel like doing it. And it's one of the things I just force myself to do it. Um, I've usually drinking a lot of tea. Uh, I find caffeine helps. Um, but I also find my mood is so much better when I'm exercising, right? And if I'm getting really worked up or anxious or... You know, it's gone to the point where a relationship with my wife, she'll just say, Sean, go for a run. She can tell. She can tell. Um, so anyway, that's my rant for today. Muscle plus, uh, what, a, <laughs> I can't even say it. Uh, neuro, neurospasticity. Uh, you know, exercise is important. Get out there, find an exercise program. Find something that you enjoy doing. Uh, I'll give you an example. My, my wife has been struggling to get on an exercise program. Not that she really needs to. I mean, she looks wonderful, but, and she's always active, but she likes, she's the opposite for me. She likes, she likes being active with people, right? And I'm not, I prefer doing it on my own. I prefer, prefer going into my own head and working through things, thinking about things where she needs people. Well, she discovered badminton. She's playing now. She's playing badminton a couple times a week. Um, and she's got a badminton thing coming up this Friday night. And I went and played uh, about two weeks ago with her. And it was fun. I mean, it, it's, it, it's, it's good exercise. I mean, it's, uh, you can definitely tell the people who know how to play versus the people who don't. Because if you don't, like me, you're doing a lot of running you don't need to do where like some of the old guys we were playing against, they barely moved. 
<laughs> it, was, it was pretty funny. But anyway, it's exercise, right? So find something you enjoy and just do it. And, you know, there are worse things than going for a 30-minute walk in the woods. You know what I mean? Anyways, uh, next episode, there will be another guest. Uh, I'm pretty excited to talk to them. It's, a, it's an art project based around MS. We're going to be talking to them uh, near the end of this month and near the end of March. If you want to be a guest, I'd love having guests on the show. Please if, just reach out to me. Whatever you want to talk about, if it's MS-related, we'll, we'll, we'll get you on. Uh, you can email me at Sean, S-E-A-N, at ownmultiplesclerosis.com. You can find me on Twitter, at ownms.com1. I believe I'm on Instagram. <laughs> I don't know, but I think I'm on Instagram, too, and I think it's ownms, uh, O-W-M-M-S. Uh, from now on, and just so you can know, if you, if you do reach out to me, especially through Instagram, I don't run that account uh, because I have somebody's volunteer, a great guy named Steve who's volunteered to uh, run the... Um, uh, my social media between now and the really long run on Saturday, June sixth, Saturday, June eighth. Um, but he'll let me know if uh, there are any messages. You can also find ownmultiplesclerosis.com on Facebook. You can go to the website ownmultiplesclerosis.com. The really long run is the really long run to ndmsc.ca. That website is through the Multiple Sclerosis Society of Canada, and there's also a really long run Facebook page. I think that's all the places you can get a hold of me. But please, if there are people out there that want to be on the show, be on the show. Uh, I mean, we can talk about whatever you want within reason, right? So until next time, uh, which will be around, next episode will be up around the 1st of April. Um, take care. Go for a walk. Eat your green vegetables. And we'll talk to you later.